Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you have joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. Just a reminder that links will be in our show notes for all the great people that we talk about today. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, we've had a couple of um, weeks where we've just recorded individually, so it's nice to be back here with you together, both of us. I want to quell any rumors that you and I are fighting about show content. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked me, like, why aren't you two recording together? And I said, well, we just trust each other. Yeah, we're well, so busy, so much going on. I'm surprised that anybody would think that was the case, but I'm glad you yeah. stopped the rumors right I here and now. To put it right <laughs> on the reel so everyone knew. Perfect. Well, I <laughs> we are not fighting, but I have kind of been all over the place going in you and out. Have. Yeah, I know, but I'm back. Beach, yeah. Seattle, the lake. The lake is the place I really was, you know, jealous, basically. Well, don't be jealous. You can come to the lake anytime if you want to come with us. It was very fun, but I am indeed back. And that's that's it for my summer trips. We packed them all into like two weeks in a row. And that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's been good. I um, saw you were doing some cheese judging. Can we tell people about what you were doing? Oh, it was so fun. I actually um, wasn't judging cheese. We had the American Cheese Society meeting here in Portland. So people were here learning about everything cheese. And on Thursday of last week, I was inducted into the International Cheese Guild. And so now I will be getting a big medal that I get to wear. And someday I hope to wear one of the brown robes and the big flappy flappy hats and um, look forward to being connected with cheese love uh, around the world. That's so cool. I saw that you had posted, if anybody's interested in seeing, they um, made a really lovely speech about you um, when you were inducted into the guild. So that's great. Were you able to hear the whole speech? Um, Part of it, not the whole thing. I think that was David Gremmels from Row Creamery down in the Grands Pass area. He has the, well, they had, they won the best cheese in the world a few years ago with the, the great leaf wrapped blue cheese that they make it's that's delicious my, that's my favorite one that they it's have it's so, so good. good yeah when we go down for the um you know pre-pandemic we would go down for the um cheese festival <clears> that they would do and they would always have lots of that cheese for all of us makers they'd come over and give us snacks so <laughs> they are so generous and kind yeah yeah well it was i'm glad that you posted that it was cool to see it i wish i could have been there in person when you were inducted into the yeah. hall of cheese 
something other, something else that was really cool. Um, the number best in show, the best cheese was from um, the people out in, wow, I can't believe I can't remember stuff. I need to drink more coffee um, out in um, Vermont. Um, they have the cheese cave, caves and everything, and they made a beautiful cheese that you melt and put on potatoes. And it was, it was so delicious. So I have to watch for that in stores. Yeah. Super cool. I'm glad that you're, um, you know, getting rewarded for all of this work that you do in cheese and ice cream. You're an amazing yeah. lady. I love it. I think I still have COVID brain if that's a thing. <laughs> I think it is. It definitely is. I mean, I just don't feel like myself since having COVID a few weeks ago. So yeah. keep taking those vitamins, Sarah. I know. I know. <laughs> Will do. I'm feeling oh. the pain out there, everybody. I yeah. know what you went through. If you had it, it's not fun. You'll get it back. You'll get back to normal. It just takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we introduce our guest, we have a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm pretty sure our guests' products are in Market of Choice as well, but we'll find out in just a minute. Uh, we're joined in the studio today by Victoria Pustinski. Uh, she is the owner of Aurora Lithers, a, a sparkling plant-infused aperitif, bringing with citrus, herbal, and floral infusions. Victoria, welcome. We're glad welcome. you're here today. Thanks for having me. I've been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm glad. Oh, I'm so glad it worked out. Well, Me we too. want our um, listeners to be able to follow along and find you in places like Instagram on online. So how can they find you? So we have two product lines with two distinct Instagram handles. We have Aurora Elixirs, which is at Aurora Elixirs. And we have a drink Lolo. Drink.Lolo is our second handle for our hops beverages which we just rebranded as Lolo Sparkling Hops. Perfect. Well, and we'll tag those in our Instagrams as well um, and in our show notes. So people don't feel like you have to have pressure to write everything down. We will have all the links for you. So let's talk about Aurora first. Can you tell us where the name comes from? Well, um, Aurora is the goddess of the dawn. So when we were initially working out the concept for the product, it, the intention was to make a cannabis-infused beverage. So it was just at the very onset of the recreational cannabis laws passing, and I had had a background in beverage, and mostly most of my career was spent in wine and spirits, and I was really interested in sort of creating a more adult beverage for a maybe consumer that was part of the similar demographic as me potentially female, somebody who enjoys cocktails and things that are like well-balanced, not too sweet, sort of more evolved, could potentially be part of a social situation without being like jarring and um, super intense. And, um, and the Dawn just, it was nice to have a name that was both feminine, that had a kind of a place associated with it, 
And then of course that like goddess of the dawn with like the dawn of a new age of kind of cannabis consumption. So that was sort of the multiple multi-pronged meaning behind the name Aurora. Um, and then there was also funny connection, you know, I was have am a proud cannabis user, but started relatively early. And um, the very popular strain when I was growing up was called um, the Northern Lights. That was like my introduction into more evolved quality cannabis consumption. So there was a little bit tie in there too, with the Northern Lights and the Aurora. So that's where the name initially came from. Well, I think it's a beautiful name and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think with your packaging together, it creates this whole story. Uh, for people that haven't heard of Aurora Elixirs, will you describe what exactly the beverages are? Yeah, so we have a line of infused sparkling beverages. The Aurora Elixirs brand, and like I kind of mentioned earlier on, we're sort of splitting the two product lines. So it was always intended to be kind of a plant-infused non-alcoholic sparkling aperitif. So it's a sort of balance between, um, you know, bitter plant extracts and then other botanical ingredients and a little, and we always used a little bit of organic cane sugar just to keep it in balance. And it has a very spritzy quality to it. So always carbonated, always non-alcoholic, and then different kind of plant infusions and botanical infusions that really enhance the flavor and aromatics of the plant ingredient. So it's not like lots of ginger to kind of mask that flavor or make it taste neutral. Like we've always tried to make it taste like green and plant forward so that you actually know what the main ingredient is. Can you tell us what process you went through to really discover how you wanted your beverages to come together? Did you formulate them yourselves or did you have a food scientist help you? So we had started, I started myself like from the very beginning, just doing alcohol extractions of different herbs in my kitchen. Um, and then quickly realized that this was like going to take me a really long time to figure out how to put things together. It's complicated, it isn't is it? It is complicated. And then there's always the challenge of using an oil um, mm -hmm. because our, our initial products were with hemp CBD oil um, and oil is not water soluble. So sort of yeah. understanding how to get something um, into suspension and how to create a stable emotion. And this is prior to like, now you can just say, find water soluble CBD powder and add it to any beverage. But in 2016, we couldn't even buy domestic hemp at the time. So we were sourcing um, different extraction types from overseas. And then I actually am a Reed College graduate. So the first thing I did was I called the chemistry department at Reed. <laughs> and there was a guy working there who had a, a good amount of experience in food science. Oh, that's and good. Ended up just kind of talking through different things. He oh, was what's his name? Maybe he wants other people to call him. Oh my gosh, I would have to look it back up. <laughs> um and just uh, my, my initial question was like, is nano emulsification a real thing? Like, I didn't even know that term was getting tossed around. I was like, is this something that actually matters? Or is there another way that we can create an emulsion without buying either really expensive equipment or having somebody process the oil prior to receiving it? Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely the beginning stages. And then... Um, you know, I had a very good idea of what I wanted it to taste like. Mm -hmm. So the flavor combinations 
I had had like a spreadsheet with like, here's the primary flavor that I want and here are like potential secondary and tertiary flavors um, to combine. And really that was inspired by this, like the terpene wheel. I just looked at, um, you could get the spectrum of, you know, flavor and aromatic compounds that were in the oil. And then you could see other plants and herbs that had similar terpene profiles. And then I would start kind of combining those and layering them. And then sometimes just looking at like cookbooks and seeing like what would be a good complement to this. Have you ever heard what grows together stays together? I have not. Or goes, whatever grows together goes goes together. together. Yeah. Put that in our marketing materials. And just tell us, people don't know what terpenes are. Can you give us a simple explanation of what a terpene is? I just always say that it's like a a flavor and aromatic compound. It's like the chemical compound um, that gives certain plants their flavor and aroma. Very nice. Thank you. I mean, that's the easiest way to... That's all we need is simple. (laughs) So yeah, like spicy, sweet, woody, earthy, citrusy, all those kind of... Green. I think you said green. Green would be a good one. Floral, musky. Yeah. And and I think for our listeners who haven't had your beverages, I think, um, you know, one of the ways that I've heard you describe it is to be um, an elevated beverage for luxury occasions. And I really feel like that is what it is for me as a customer. You know, I will bring your beverages with me um, if I'm going to something like there's a lot of industry like happy hours or like when I meet up with my women's culinary group or my canning group. And a lot of them, it's like alcohol is always involved which is fine. I'm no judgment or anything, but I also am older than a lot of the people I'm usually meeting up with. And I have to go pick up my kid afterwards. And it's like, I don't want to have a cocktail, but I'll bring your beverages with me. And everyone always asks me about them because the packaging is beautiful. The bottle is beautiful. They're delicious. And it's like something I can just throw in my bag because they're sealed, you know, and they're shelf stable and I don't have to like refrigerate them or anything like that. So I really think that that description that you have is very lovely. I think it works perfectly. And there is a big trend and a movement right now to have some delicious alternatives. Like not everybody wants to drink a Shirley Temple. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just thinking about that. It's been really interesting to see. I spent over a decade, almost 15 years in wine and spirits. So I wasn't thinking that much about the sober market that often, you know, and, and just things have changed so much Mm -hmm. in the five plus years since I've been out of that industry. Yeah. Um, but when we, yeah, when we started and we quickly noticed that our consumer, I thought most people were going to mix them with alcohol and people certainly still do mix mm-hmm. our drinks with alcohol, but very quickly a consumer emerged with exactly that s- statement, Sarah, which was like, sometimes I don't want to drink and I don't want somebody to ask me why I'm not drinking. Yeah, and well, if I got your product in hand Nobody's like, why are you not drinking? Why are you drinking? Yeah. And I seamless. I totally get it. I was talking with a good friend of mine yesterday and, and he said, if you're going somewhere and you don't want to drink what they're serving, bring your own drink and just announce when you get 
there that that's what you'll be drinking. <laughs> and yeah. then people are okay with it. You know, they don't get all stressed out and think they and need the, to serve you, whatever. And the question when I bring your beverages with me is never, why aren't you drinking? It's what right. is that? It looks really cool. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it is really cool. And then I can tell yeah. them, so, which is cool. But um, well, I want to get into the flavors that you yeah, me have. Too. Yum. And um, so let's do that before a break. Uh, I do want to say that my favorite one is the um, rosemary. I'm forgetting the other grapefruit. 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 Yeah. Rosemary yeah. grapefruit. That one's my fave. Um, do, can you tell people the flavors of what you have to offer? And we'll talk about Lolo later, but first I just want to stick with Aurora so people don't sure. get confused. Sure. Yeah, that makes it simple. We've got, um, so our two original flavors were the rosemary grapefruit and lavender. It was originally lavender spice. Now it's lavender orange. So it's lavender, mandarin, orange peel, and coriander seed. And then we added cayenne citron, which is a blend of cayenne, um, cayenne pepper, black peppercorn, and citron and mandarin. And mm. then we have the most recent one is black currant and spruce. Perfect. Cool. Those are, those are su- such wonderful combinations, and I love all of them. But um, the rosemary is my favorite. You don't, you know, you don't see a lot of beverages that have rosemary. I feel like it gets it's more put, savory, isn't it? Yeah, it gets put with a lot of food, but not mm-hmm. so many beverages. So I think that's why I'm like so into it. I love it. Yeah. We're gonna. Um, sorry, oh, go ahead. Ahead. that go one ahead. was like a very clear example of like referring to the terpene wheel because rosemary is like the first thing that comes up in that piney category of like an herb that you could use that complements you know like cannabis related plants interesting i love it well it's one of my faves so don't get rid of it don't change it (laughs) all right we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about where you manufacture Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, Victoria, tell us all about your um, production and where you're manufacturing your delicious beverages. Yeah, so this has been a real evolution for us. And I think like most of the listeners will understand the pains of co-packing and finding manufacturing partners. Um, When we first started and had the idea for manufacturing a beverage, there were, there was almost no, there was just nobody who did carbonated drinks in glass with CBD at the time. Um, so we did our first bottling run in Southern California with, um, with our, at the time flavor partners and, um, and, and it just didn't, did not go well. <laughs> so that was run number one. And then we were looking for an alternative, um, and we really just couldn't find anything. And I, I just decided that if we we're going to do it, we needed to do it ourselves. So we invested in a couple of tanks and a small um, a small filler and started bottling it ourselves in mm. Clackamas um, and then had graduated to using mobile bottlers and canners. And um, so as of now, as of today, we make everything ourselves. 
Oh, that's wonderful. So we have a small team. We are hoping to transition because I, there are a couple of new to the market beverage co-packers who we think could be great fits for us. And we, um, at this point, we're good at what we do and we can be pretty hands-on with these people. So I'm hoping to transition just because, oh, just because, because labor is difficult to find these days mm-hmm. <laughs> because overhead of, of manufacturing facility is a lot. And it's just something that I think if we could re purpose our energy and have somebody else do a lot of the dirty work, we would still do all of our formulation and blending, but have somebody else do the packaging for us. I think that, I think that makes sense. And I do think that it's good for manufacturers to kind of know the ins and outs of what they want and things that can go wrong before they go to a co-packer sometimes, because, because um, I think that going to them right away sometimes is problematic because it, you don't have any information to give them yet because you haven't really done it. So you don't know the things that can go wrong. So I think that, um, you know, I don't always think it's a bad thing to go with co-packers. I know sometimes we have, we, we get these like camps of people being like, you should never have a, you should never you know, have a co-packer do it or you should. And I just think um, you have to find the right time and the right people. You are going into like a relationship with them. So it has to be um, something that works. And so sometimes that takes a little time. Yeah. And And even when you find a co-packer, you still have to do testing and, you know, make sure everything turns out the same. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, because we've been doing it for almost four years now, we are so clear and specific on what we need and how we need it done um, that it, it's a good time for us. But we learned so much in this process of scaling and then fine tuning and then making adjustments and then um, and and just right now for us, it's great. It's a good problem to have. Right, we're growing and we've just kind of outgrown the equipment that we have and. Um, when it got to a point where our small team of five people is spending two to three days a week doing eight hours of production, I'm like, well, nobody's selling the product because we're all here <laughs> I mean, running pasteurizing baths for half a day. You know? One yeah. other thing you should think about is when you go to the co-man for beverage, it's easier if you go to them with a throw, which is the concentrated flavors, mm-hmm. and then they just hydrate it into water and carbonate it. And I think there's a lot to be set for that because it's a really good way for you to control quality. Yeah. So you might just change from making the whole beverage to making the important part, which is the flavoring system. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that's, that's our plan. Also because we do going back to how we came up with the formulation, we do our own emulsion. So we still don't buy water soluble ingredients and we emulsify them in house. And that's yeah. just like, it's, Nobody's tricky mess with our emotions. Well, that's your intellectual property. Like you might have some secret trade secret thing you're doing, and you maybe don't want to share that with everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wanted to just kind of talk about a little bit. Um, so your drinks contain CBD, right? Is Mm -hmm. that a correct way to say that? Um, and and that brings in a whole dynamic of like certification and why your facility is where it is, I think, because you had mentioned you're in Clackamas. So mm-hmm. can you just talk a little bit for any listeners who are dreaming up a business that maybe includes CBD, can you just let them know anything that's required that they would need to know or, um, you know, anything like that? 
Yeah. Well, if you're not co-packing it, CBD is still not distinguished from cannabis. So um, all of the regulations that apply to cannabis, except for the OLCC stuff, but on a federal level, like, so, um, you know, banking, trademarks, all of those federal components to owning a small business are still, it's still illegal. So you have to kind of go through those loopholes. Oregon is relatively open on CBD. So more and more places are, um, are permitting them in their facilities, but you can't have, um, let's say an FDA licensed facility that it's still considered a contaminant. No, it's really weird, Victoria. I was reading your copy and you said that you're USDA certified, certified organic, just that, just the hemp source, not the product itself. What's that? Not the, not our product completely, just the, the hemp that we source. And that's the CBD. Yeah. So that's federal government. Yeah, that's they started doing organic certification. What the heck? It's so confusing. I think we can't even work with it because we have federal funding. So, but it doesn't make sense that they would allow USDA organic certification for something they don't even. There's certain loopholes, and there's different levels of like on the farming side, like there are components that are more opening open Mm -hmm. and then on the manufacturing side and the sales side and on the marketing piece, there's, you know, there's whole, so we still can't even do straight Facebook marketing with our CBD product. Really? Yeah. Wow. Can you do it on Twitter? Lines. (laughs) Like the only social media that we can't handle. I don't. don't (laughs) I was thinking about that. I, I always like to have dialogue about it because I, and I feel like I never really know the answers, even after I talk to people about it, but I just think it's, it's important confusing. to keep, to keep talking about it. Cause I just want people to understand that there are a lot of restrictions in place, even mm-hmm. about where you can manufacture and how you can manufacture. Mm-hmm. It's not a simple process, but it is also something that is a doable process. I mean, you do it, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that you have to do um, and put in place. So just keep that in mind for any of yes. our um, dreamers out there who want to start a mm-hmm. CBD business or for anybody who currently has a product and they are thinking about just adding CBD into a product. It's really not that simple. So um, just putting the info out there, keeping the dialogue going. <laughs> it's true. There are a lot of restrictions um, and there are challenges to it. And there are lots of, you know, um, retailers that still won't stock it, you know, that um, it's just in a way, it's a little bit of a dirty word. You know, I think it was, it's, I, you know, the products are still selling and they're doing quite well and there's certainly consumers for them. Um, but there were a lot of bad actors who I think just kind of ruined the the market for a lot of the other people. Yeah. There's no regulations around it. So you can just say it has X amount of CBD in it and mm-hmm. it doesn't have any. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like an important thing I think for people to know as a consumer is, you know, if you go to your website and you look at um, where you're sourcing from, how you're sourcing from, you do a very good job of explaining um, why your beverages are different. So if people are interested in that, just know that that is on, um, you know, the website. And I think it's great that you are sourcing from local farms and farmers. And um, when I think about what you do and some of the ways that you explain it as, you know, this modern alchemy, I really think that that 
that is what you have created with your brand is, um, you know, that everything is about plants and it's about putting plants into this beverage. And I think that that is the key piece that people could focus on and maybe understand it a little bit better. Because I think not everybody always understands CBD and what that means sometimes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we do, there are lots of different products on the market and I can't speak to what everybody is doing in each individual brand, but we've always just wanted to be as close to the organic material as we could be. Um, and that's why we make the emulsion ourselves because we've had, you know, lots of suppliers send us CBD and a lot of it is just like white powder in a vial. And that doesn't, it doesn't smell or taste like anything. And like so much of the inspiration for all those flavors is the actual, you know, we sit with that resinous plant matter and like it has such beautiful aromas attached to it that that's where we build from rather than just taking like cola flavor and dumping a white powder into it um so that it has CBD not that that might not be that might be what some people love but it's not <laughs> what we wanted to do you know it was really sure. starting with the actual with the with the plant well, I do want to um, give you an opportunity to talk about Lolo and how mm -hmm. that is different from um, Aurora. So if you want to explain that brand and why you um, decided to basically create another company to represent it. Yeah. So we, um, well, when did this start? In about 2019, there were a lot of there started to be, there was news coming in through the FDA. It didn't look like the future for CBD was very unknown. So we started to experiment with different um, plant extracts that we thought would be, you know, a, a logical continuation of what we were doing. Um, and we started like, what are other things that might have like soothing, restorative, relaxing qualities similar to the effects of hemp and CBD? And we went through this whole um, cascade of different herbs. And, and then our production manager, Ashley brought us these hops extracts. And, um, we had looked at hops as an ingredient before, and it does have medicinal properties, you know, in, in Chinese medicine, it's been used as anti-anxiety and, you know, help with insomnia. Um, but it's also, you know, it's Pacific Northwest grown and it's ex very closely related to hemp. The plants are, look similar. They're the same family of plant, that Cannabisia plant family. Um, they extract it the same. So you could get those resinous full spectrum extracts um, and they just fit right into the way that we emulsify it. And everything just seemed like a very logical continuation from what we were doing. So we started to build out these products using hops instead of hemp. So these have no CBD in them at all. Um, and the products were delicious. Like we were just so excited. We were just, just tasting lots of different hops varieties and they were very distinct and some are extremely citrusy and some are very earthy and some are kind of piney and sweet and floral. Um, but they were all just these delicious bitter extracts that we created these drinks from. And initially they were Aurora hops, but there was a ton of confusion in the marketplace about whether those products contain CBD or not. So, and, you know, then there's, because it's makers on the podcast, like then there were trademark issues. Like we, our trademark got rejected because there was 
a beer product called Aurora Hoppialis. <laughs> wow. That's funny. <laughs> and we got rejected for that. So we were like, okay, let's just, let's just create some further separation from the mm-hmm. two um, and alleviate any consumer confusion, kind of leave Aurora and that sort of celestial kind of mystical brand for the more kind of transformative plants and then um, make hops its own thing. And, you know, hops is so big in the Pacific Northwest. And I think we are all so connected to our place. Um, Lolo is like, as local people know, is like there's a pass called Lolo Pass that divides, mm-hmm. um, that sort of leads up to Mount Hood. So it's sort of like where the sort of flatland ends and the mountainous range begins. And there was just, it, it felt right. It's, it was a place that we kind of all felt connected to. It connects us even further to Pacific Northwest origin. And it's like lots of vowels and it sounds really nice. So like Aurora, Lolo, just, and it worked graphically really nicely. So we just started um, the Lolo brand in June. So it's just brand new. And then we started, we canned for the first time. So everything had been in glass bottles um, prior to now, but we really found that people who love the hops drink wanted to look like a beer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like more part of an active lifestyle. Like put it in a cooler and drink it on the river. Yeah. Um, or get camping and, and as beautiful as the glass is, it's heavy and, (laughs) and it it causes a mess when it breaks and you need a tool to open it. So um, the can was a really logical, I think also extension for us. So I have a two part question for you. Um, so with the entourage effect, I like that. That's Mm -hmm. great. You have multiple things coming together to give an experience. That sounds wonderful. I want you to comment on that. But also I wanted to talk to you about sustainability. So you have a lot of byproduct from doing all these extractions. What do you do with the things that are left over from when you create your extracts? So we don't make our extracts in-house. Oh, so you don't. don't. So there's no... um, we don't have anything left over except oh, that's good. fills on the ground as a result of a messy bottling process. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, everything that we purchase and make goes into the canner bottle. And the entourage effect is really, um, it's kind of like cannabis related language, um, which like basically the more of the, going back to what we were talking about before, the more of the plant that you use, the more of the benefits you receive. So if you're going to extract a single element from it or a single chemical compound, like just CBD, hence like the powdered form, um, you're missing all of the other kind of flavonoids and other um, plant components that do enhance the experience. So, um, including those terpenes. I mean, we know like let's lavender is a perfect example, right? Even just smelling lavender or dabbing it on your neck, it's sort of got these, um, aroma therapeutic properties to it, which are very much contained in those fuller spectrum extracts. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So if somebody has a bunch of lavender plants in their yard, can they just pick the lavender and make their own extracts? I think you can, right? You need to dry it. And then there's an alcohol extraction process. I mean, that's not kind of cool area of expertise at all. But, um. <laughs> well, I, I just did a, um, an instructional video for people who are like CSA members and they get um, herbs and they don't really know what to do with them. Um, oh. and, and I was telling people that you can, if you don't want to get into the alchemy of things and you don't want to create your own hydrosol and you're not going to get scientific on it, the very easy baseline for that is just to boil vinegar and pour it over and you can make lavender vinegar. You could make hops vinegar. You could make basil vinegar, whatever mm. you want. And then you're, um, you're not wasting that plant. You're not letting it rot. You're not feeling guilty about it. You can just make this thing and then, um, you know, straight it out and then keep it right in your refrigerator and you can um you know just use it to make salad dressings marinate meat veggies things like that mm -hmm. so that's just what one of the things i just talked about this week and it fits right yeah. into this conversation Ooh, oils <laughs> syrups you know i mean the uh, lavender especially is one that you can easily make a syrup out of it just yeah. boil it with water and sugar and then you have um, that ingredient mm -hmm. Yeah, That's there's cool. all kinds of, of fun things that you can do that aren't so involved as what mm -hmm. as what you guys are doing at Aurora, yeah. but just a little simple um, version of that. Um, one thing that I really wanted you um, to talk about was um, with the Lolo beverage, and it's a sparkling hops drink. And I know you said that at first people got confused that it had CBD in it, but I was wondering if people sometimes think that it has alcohol in it. Like if there's a way that, um, um, you know, you made this transition and not a lot of people make a transition where they take one brand and create another brand and there was a definite reason for it. But I was wondering if um, that was part of it as well, like, like identifying that it's not alcoholic. Yeah, that's, I mean, we have to lead with that in everything. It's on all our packaging. It's the first line of every kind of brand statement that we make is that it's a non-alcoholic refreshment. Um, there's confusion with hops and people sort of not understanding very much that because it's so closely associated with beer. Mm -hmm. um, they just assume that the product is going to have like a malty grainy body to it, which it does not. And yeah. I think what our product does is it shows the versatility of the plant. And, you know, even in beer, it's used pr predominantly as a bittering agent, um, but often like it's just overused and the beers yep. are so bitter um, that you don't really get a lot of the other flavor from it. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, you know, we've played with lots of different strains and they're very, very distinct from one another. So you see like there's Citra, which is extremely popular right now. It's in so many different beers and um, Mosaic. And we use one in our most recent flavor called Chinook. And that was like the only, the best adjective I could think to describe it was like, it's dank, you know, it just like smells and tastes mm -hmm. like forest floor. Um, Whereas the citra is extremely like bright and almost tropical in citrusy. So um, yeah, on the, on its own, it's, it's just absolutely delicious. And we do use botanicals in our two Lolo flavors that we had launched with. So we have a yuzu orange blossom, which is with citra and mosaic hops, and it has black peppercorn extract in it as well. And then we have pomelo sage, which is just citra hops. And then we made a blend called the Cascadia Field Blend that's just three, just hops. So it's um, Chinook, Equinot, and Mosaic. And um, and you and it's so flavorful and delicious just on its own. Yeah. It's got this like lush greenness to it. 
And Sarah Masoni, I think that this is a good one for you to try. I know you haven't had it. I haven't had the new branded one. I've mm-hmm. had it from when it was the Aurora brand. And I love yeah. the yuzu flavor is my fave. But it's a really nice alternative for people who can't have beer. So Sarah's gluten-free, you know, yeah. couldn't, can't drink beer. And so it's nice because it um, has that kind of... Not, not that it tastes like beer because it totally doesn't, but it has that co- component of drinking like a cool beverage that has some bitterness to it. Um, but it's, you know, made from hops and plants. And so it's not, it doesn't have gluten in it. Yeah. We, we, at first we were describing, it's like, it's almost like a non-alcoholic shandy in a way, you know, it's got some of the, it has those bitter qualities, but it definitely has this like floral fruity mm-hmm. sweetness to it as well. Yeah. It's really fun. I think you um, did a great job developing it. And I think if people um, haven't tried it, you should definitely try it. It's a fun, fun new beverage to check out. Yeah. I mean, if you like IPAs, this might be a good one to switch in to your beverage lineup. Yeah. And I think try something a, different. I also have to say, as far as changing your branding, I think it was a really good um move to make. And I love that you chose Lolo Pass because that's where I grew up. So, so now I feel even more connected to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering if you knew where Lolo Pass was. Yeah. It's just like up the road from where, where I lived. And actually, you know, what's funny, Victoria, is that I think the first time I met you was up there because we were both at a uh, wild about game. game. Yeah. And I think it was one of your first events, maybe. Yeah. Even. Yeah. The first one? I don't remember. It, it might have been. I yeah. mean, I, it was the first time I'd seen you and met mm-hmm. you at anything. And I and I think you were saying it was either one of your first times, you know, out. Probably. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the first things that we did. And that was just a few, you know, just right down the street from Lolo Pass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, I never even thought about that because that event hasn't happened in a few years. And it's like mm-hmm. a past life. Yeah. It um, does, does feel like a past life for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we tried to keep it like there are definitely elements of it. We tried to keep it consistent and it had been a challenge for sure. Um, But so I don't feel like it's unrecognizable, but it is different. It's got its own personality and it's a little bit of a like, it's a more playful personality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The Aurora, sometimes the bread felt like heavy. I was like, (laughs) oh, it's so serious. Like (laughs) the golden hour, the light, the Lolo is a little bit more effervescent, effervescent, more adventurous. Yeah, maybe. Um, Well, we always like to ask what you need from your community. So what can we do for you and your brands? How can we support you? I live by the support of this community. I feel like I am constantly um, asking questions and then answering questions. So being part of the dialogue is so important to me. And even, you know, because you never know when you're going to need something. And even though right now we're so focused on, you know, getting the brand out there, gaining awareness, and also just focused geographically on like distribution within our state and our two adjacent states and just kind of growing, um, but staying part of the conversation, staying engaged. And also I'm always so grateful when people come to me and ask questions as well. So I think, um, 
it goes, it goes both ways. Right. So I might not have a clear ask right now, but I certainly will. at some point. <laughs> I just ask to stay connected, you know? I mean, don't you want people to buy your drinks? That's what I would want. Try my drink. Yes. I want you do like parties and stuff. Do you deliver your stuff? If somebody's having a big party, do you deliver? do direct deliveries we do we do sell on our website we do direct to consumer stuff you know shipping is hard these days and um, and we have distribution partners who we love and support and um and retail partners that we want people to go to so Mm. we're in lots of great stores locally including market of choice and they've got our lolo cans now it's nice and provider and um, I was just going to say, where else can people buy them? Um, you know, so mm-hmm. you can order them from your website. You mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of places in town. I wasn't sure if you were doing any shows right now, because I know sometimes people like to meet and connect with you in person. So just like, let us know where the best place. Yeah. Anybody, anybody is into the music festival scene. We're going to be the non-alcoholic beverage sponsor of the pickathon this year oh that's coming up soon isn't it it is oh my god it's really creeping up on us so (laughs) what day what are the dates for the pickathon august 4th through 7th oh my gosh that's like in a week yes i know my brother my brother's gonna be there so i'm gonna tell him you'll you're there he's gonna be at the pickathon that's cool he's here from new york so um i'll I'll tell him to come check out your booth please yeah he looks just like me but taller <laughs> i'd say you look much handsomer than him tell him to come find us we'll i will if handsomer is a word okay, for sure <laughs> well um unfortunately we have to wrap it up so i'm just going to ask one final question which is do you have any advice for people that are currently dreaming up a business Ooh, that's a good question I, you know everything takes longer than you think it's going to I mean, I think that's been my key learning over the course of these years. It's like you have what you think is the best plan. Everything is going to change about it. And it's always going to take three times longer than you think it's going to. (laughs) So patience and just confidence in your plan and vision, you know, just have to be kind of relentless about pursuing it. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That's like, it's mostly women founders on here. And I feel like women may just in general be better at asking for help, but that's... Asking community for help is really important too. That's yeah. I think that's great, great advice because I think, yeah, that things do take a very long time and much longer than you have planned for, but it doesn't mean that your plan is not going to work. So like stick with it. Mm -hmm. And and even when that, those long wait times and, you know, obstacles are in your way, I think, um, you know, persistence is key for sure. Definitely. Well, Victoria, it was so great to have you on the show today yes, and chat nice with you, you about your business. Everybody, definitely check out the websites, go find the products locally, and just try to connect with Victoria in any of those fashions. Yes, please do. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate getting this chance to speak with you. It was great to meet you. Good to meet you, too. We Record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitchers. Thanks to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, we have a couple openings. So you can DM us on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. We will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network.
Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program. 